the law, the gospel, and Father's Day. In Proverbs chapter 4, starting verse number 1, it says, Hear ye, children, the instruction of a father, and attend to no, to no understanding. For I give you good doctrine, forsake ye not my law. For I was my father's son, tender, and only beloved inside of my mother. He taught me also, and said unto me, Let thy heart retain my words, keep my commandments, and live. Get wisdom, get understanding, forget it not. For neither decline from the words of my mouth, forsake her not. She shall preserve thee, love her, and she will she'll keep thee. Wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom. And with all thy understanding, get wisdom. Exalt her, and she shall promote thee. She shall bring thee honor when thou dost embrace her. She shall give to thy head an ornament of grace, a crown of glory she shall deliver thee. Hear, O my son, and receive my sayings, and the years of thy life shall be many. And we'll stop there um, for our reading this morning. I saw this week, and it's, I thought it was kind of funny, they said that uh, there was a, a distinction between the law and the gospel when it comes to Mother's Day and Father's Day. And said usually people will say, Mother's Day is full of grace. We thank Mom for everything that she did for us, and we thank Mom for, for being so good to us. And you get to Father's Day, and it's like, Dad doesn't do enough, and, and, and Dad was just uh, uh, always doing something wrong. And, and so it's... It's, it's the law for, for dads and grace for moms. But um, that might, that, There might be a little bit of truth to that, but there's actually uh, grace for both mom and dad, isn't there? But there's grace for dads, and uh, that's kind of what we want to think about this morning, that, that what we have here in the book of Proverbs that I just read, that's a law. And there's lots of laws in, in the Word of God, and there's lots of laws... For dads, there's lots of laws from dads and a lot of requirements that the Lord uh, lays down in His Word for dads. But there's also a lot of grace. And I think sometimes we can look at the law and forget about grace, forget about the gospel. So we want to think about both of these things this morning, the law and the gospel, and we want to apply them um, to dads in particular this morning. So let's look, think about Father's Day and the law, first of all. What's the law? Well, the law means it's to do. It's a command. It's a way that we have to live. So we got laws for ourselves. we got laws out in society. And we got laws in, in the Bible. And it's just a command, something that you have to do. That you don't have a choice in the matter. That when someone in authority lays down a law... You have to keep it. You have to obey it. Now, you make laws for yourself, and you set standards for yourself. And sometimes those standards are good, and sometimes those standards are bad. Sometimes you give yourself laws that you can't possibly keep. I was reading a little bit about um, uh, people who go on diets, and, and they fail. And, they, and, and the doctor said lots of times they fail is because they give themselves laws that they can't possibly live up to, and whenever they keep failing and failing and failing so long, they get frustrated and quit. They set standards that might be good if you could, if you could hang on to them, but they were standards outside of the reach of any mortal man, and they just uh, gave up. 
So we can set standards and laws for ourselves that could be good or could be bad. Society makes laws. Society makes laws for dads, standards of what makes a good dad. And most of it has to do with what a dad buys. You can be a good dad if you take your kids on vacations every year. You'll be a good dad if you buy them this and buy them that and, and provide this material blessing and that material blessing. Well, that's a law that, that many men try to live by, but it's not a law that you find in the Scripture. It's not a law that God gives. It's not a standard that God says this is what you must do in order to be a good dad. And so many dads judge themselves by the standards of, of the world. And sadly, many children will judge their dads by the standards of the world. And they'll look back and say, well, I, I never got to go to Disney World or I never got to do this and then got to do that. So dad didn't live up to the, to the standard. Well, those are the laws of men. And how do we know if those laws are good or not? Well, we judge them by the law of God. And that is how we know what is good and right. We um, approve things that are good and right and excellent by the word of God. Um, Paul tells us that in Philippians chapter 1, that we take the knowledge of God and approve things of whether they're good or true. And so we take the laws and we, apply, we look at what God's word has to say. Now, God does have many laws for dads things that dads need to do, and things that kids need to do in relation to their dads. But, but the difference between the world's laws and my laws and your laws is God's laws are good. Look over in uh, Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 25. And uh, it'll be a while, but we're eventually going to get back to Proverbs. But um, we will get back there shortly. I do want to look at a few other things, though. First, um, Deuteronomy chapter 12 Verse 25. Thou shalt not eat it, that thou mayest go well with thee. So there's food, you know, laws right here. And why does God give this? That it may go well with thee, and with thy children after thee. When thou shalt do that which is right in the sight of the Lord. So God's laws are for good. Could you imagine living in a world where everybody kept God's laws? Could you imagine living in a world where nobody lied to each other? That nobody stole from each other? That nobody murdered? That nobody loved themselves more than they loved their neighbor? Where they loved God and they loved their neighbor and they put others first. Could you imagine living in a world like that? I can't even imagine living in a world like that. Well, that's God's law. Loving one another is, is a law. And God's laws are good. And so when we go to God's laws and we see what a dad must do, that's a good thing. Because God's laws are good. David Haynes said, we know exactly what we must do to live good, full lives and to give our children their best chances of doing the same. The law is like a father making his child go to bed early, making them do their homework, and then forbidding them to go out and drink and drive. Because that is what's going to be best for that child. 
Now, the child doesn't want to go to bed early. The child doesn't like that law. The child doesn't want to do their homework. He doesn't like that law. The child might not even like the law about drinking and driving. But all those things are for the child's good. The problem was not with the dad saying, go to bed early. If there's a fight and fussing about going to bed early, it's not going to bed early that's the problem. You can read papers on that. Scientists, doctors, they'll tell you going, getting a good night's sleep is good for your body, good for your mind. So it's not about whether it's a wise decision to go to bed early, and it's not about whether the dad has the authority to do that. It's about the child not liking the law. So that's where we come into play. Why don't we like the law? Because we break it. Because the law condemns us. It convicts us. That we can look at the law of God and say, I don't measure up to that. It condemns us. So the problem is not with the law, it's with us. So there are many laws in God's word about dads, but these are, these are good. In our text, it's, he talks about the instruction of a father. That, that's the law. Again, in our text, he says to retain words, to keep my commandments. Law. Those are good. But throughout Proverbs, you read of the commandments of the Father to obey in the Father. Solomon is stressing here the importance not only of the children listening to the, the dad, or the children listening to the dads, and that the children receiving wisdom, but the dads also to know wisdom and to instruct it to their children. Let's look over in Psalm 34. So we're still just dealing with, with law for the moment. Psalm 34. And we'll start in verse number 11. Now this is a psalm of David. David was going through a hard time in this psalm. This is, you remember when David um, was running from Saul and he went before Abimelech and he started acting crazy. Started spitting in his beard and scratching on the wall. He said, I got enough crazy people around here. Why, why do I need another one? So David writes this uh, psalm after that incident. Verse number 11. He says, Come, ye children, hearken unto me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is he that desireth life and loveth many days, that he may see good? Keep thy tongue from evil, and thy lips from speaking guile. Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous, and his ears are open to their cry. The face of the Lord is against them that do evil, to cut off the remembrance of them from the earth. So David is writing this psalm. He says, you know, and he, he, he focuses his mind on the children. He said, come here, children, I'm going I'm to teach you something. I'm going I'm to give you some wisdom here. Here's a man that had failed. He says, gather around, children, I'm going to teach you something that I've learned. I'm going to teach you something about God that I've experienced. And this is a very beautiful passage, isn't it? But you know what this is? This is the law. Keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking God. Anybody want to raise their hand if they've never spoke evil things or spoken God? I think we've all done that, haven't we? 
Depart from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. How many of us have not departed from evil at least once in our life? How many of us have ever not done good or sought peace or pursued peace? The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous. And his ears are open to their cry, but then based upon the passages we just read, how many of that, how many of us can could claim that of ourselves based upon that law? And the face of the Lord is against them that do evil. See, that's more law, isn't it? Because by our own confession, we spoke guile, we spoke evil. We, we did evil. So that means the Lord would be against us, doesn't it? See, this, this, is, this is a law. It's not bad. Is it bad to depart from evil? Is it bad to seek peace? Is it bad to do good things? No, all these things are good. What, it's a beautiful passage because we imagine what life would be like in that state. To seek peace and pursue it. Instead of people fighting with one another, they would seek peace with one another. Instead of people lying to one another, they'd speak truth to one another. That the Lord is with those who are righteous. But then if we, we honestly look at this passage and use this, this text as a mirror, David has gathered the children around. And if those children were honest, they would say, Dad, I can't live up to that. I can't do that. David is rightly holding the mirror of the law up to us and to the children here to show them their need. This is the instruction of a father. This is the job of a, of a father to instruct their children, to guide their children in the way of the Lord, to speak the truth to them, to show them of God, show them God's word. So there is, with Father's Day, or with fathers rather, there is law. There's a law that the dad has to speak to the children. That's one of his jobs, is to show them the mirror of truth, that they can see themselves for who they are. In Colossians chapter 3, in verse number 20, there's, um, there's some more law for dads. From dads and two dads. It says, um, Colossians 3, verse 20, Children, obey your parents in, in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Alright, so there, there's a law. There's dad having a responsibility to teach his children. The children obey the parents. Well, that's dad saying, here's the law. This is what I want you to do. And you have, and children are, are to, to obey that. Hebrews 12 tells us that the dad, um, that our earthly fathers punished us when we didn't do right. So there's a spot. It's not only the responsibility just to say what to do, but to carry it out, to make sure that it happens. So that's law and law breaking and, and correction. And, the, and, the, and God the Father says that he loves us and so he'll correct us just like our earthly fathers did. He has a responsibility of teaching about God because the parallel passage in Ephesians 6 says, and you fathers provoke not your children to wrath, but to bring them up in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord. And so 
we have not only the command just to, to train the children, but to bring them up in the Lord. Well, look in verse 21 of Colossians while we're there. So children, obey your parents. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. So now we have a little bit more. God tells the dad, you are to train your child. You're to train them up in the Lord. You're training them the things of God. You're going, you're going to enforce your law that they, they would obey you. But you don't want to provoke your child to anger lest they be discouraged. So don't go too far the other way. So use wisdom and understanding to know, to know when they can handle more and when they can, can, can receive your word and, and how much law to lay down and how much discipline to lay down and, and to keep them in the way, but not, not to discourage them, to, to be gentle with them, but to, to be firm with them and lest they be discouraged and, and that the good law laid down would do nothing but discourage them. I think about that. You know, maybe preachers should think about that sometimes, that, that, that so much pointing to, to what you're not doing can just make a person just give up. Well, what's the point? I could never do, I could never do anything. And, and they're provoked not to love God, but to, but to be discouraged. Because the law makes us not want to do what we're told. So here we have commands of the law for dads to take wisdom to train and guide and nurture in a way the child can understand without going too far in the other direction uh, to, to push them off and push them off into uh, uh, frustration. That's a, that's a heavy law. That's a heavy load there, isn't it? Sometimes I, I read these things and think about these things. And I, I think like Paul, well, who's sufficient? Who, who can do such a work? Who can do such a labor? That there's so much uh, on the line, so important. Well, this is what the law tells us that, that is required. Let's go back to Proverbs and look in chapter 17. Now remember, there's two parts to this message, so we're we're still in the hard part. So bear, hang in there, and we'll get to the <laughs> we'll get to the sweet part here shortly. So Proverbs 17, verse number six: Children's children are the crown of old men, and the glory of children are their fathers. That's a sweet verse, isn't it? So, well, how is that law? How many dads out there this morning are not the glory of their children? There's a lot of bad dads out there, aren't there? Absent fathers, lazy fathers, drunk fathers. I've just been reading a little bit this week some things people have been saying. There's a lot of angry and bitter people about their childhood. Um... And a lot of a lot of kids, more and more so, couldn't look at their dad, and some of them don't even know who don't even know him, let alone could say anything positive or negative about him. 
This is, this again, a law. It's a standard, isn't it, this passage? That the glory of the children of the fathers. Well, that, that's a, a standard by which the father needs to live. And there's children, there's law for the children. There, there's a generation that curseth their father and doth not bless their mother in Proverbs 30, 11. And then verse 17 of Proverbs 30, The eye that mocketh at his father and despiseth to obey his mother, the ravens of the valley shall pick it out, and the young eagles shall eat it. So, there in Proverbs 30, 17, it says, uh, The eyes that, that mock his father and disobey, what's going to happen to that child? They're going to end up dead in the valley, and the birds are going to be eating at their bones. <laughs> Pretty vivid picture um, of of disobedience there, isn't it? The Proverbs, you know, it says my son throughout this that, that they're directed. Lots, most of them, a lot of them, are directed towards uh, young people, and that was a vivid image to give to a young person of what happens with the disobedient. The disobedient. Um, Proverbs 19.26 He that wasteth his father and chaseth away his mother is a son that causeth shame and bringeth reproach. Why is Father's Day hard for some people? Well, it's because there's a lot of dads who know they haven't lived up to the standard. There's a lot of children who haven't listened to dad. And there's a lot of children who have dads that didn't live up to the standard. And then, and then there's, there's guilt and there's shame. Because God has put a lot of responsibility upon the father. He's put a lot of responsibility on the dad. And a lot that will happen in a child's life will be the result of, of what a dad does or doesn't do. And that, that's, that's a heavy burden. That's a heavy weight. And then we look to the perfection of God's law and, and we say... I just, I messed up. I doubt that there's a, a dad sitting in here that doesn't wish they could go back and do things a whole lot differently than they did. Not because of any ill, Ill uh, will or anything such as that. It's just we're, we're not perfect people. We're sinful. And we, we, we've failed. But the remainder of this message, as I want to shift from this point, now that the law has shown us what we are, but to show us the gospel in this, to show us what God does for us in Jesus Christ. So let's go back to our text there in Proverbs 4. We want to think about God's grace now. The grace of God with fathers and sons and daughters. Because it says in verse number 3, For I was my father's son, tender and only beloved on the side of my mother. He taught me also. He said unto me, Let thy heart retain my words and keep my commandments and live. A lot of parenting books give the picture of the perfect family. And you, know, you can... Not so much anymore, but you know, old TV shows, you'd have a picture of a perfect family. You'd have a picture of a good dad and uh, a loving mom and, and a solid family. 
A lot of parenting books give you the picture of the perfect family, feasting and joyful and laughter all the time. And if you just follow their simple steps, then life will go swell. I think a lot of the parenting books are written by people who have really young kids or maybe not many kids at all because I know sometimes that advice sounds good whenever you have theoretical children. But once you have real children, that the flesh and blood children, then you know, things, things change a little bit. I know I had lots of good ideas before I had children. And my hypothetical children was always going to listen to me and obey me and such, but, but you know, that, that's why people talk when they don't have any, right? So the Bible gives us the true story, doesn't it? Well, here we have Solomon talking. And he said, I'm my father's son. I was loved by my mother. And that gives you the, the picture-perfect family, doesn't it? Until we start thinking about who's, who wrote this. Well, it's a Solomon that wrote this. David's boy. Bathsheba's boy. The dad that Solomon speaks so fondly of that he looks back at with such tender memories was also the man that had his mom's first husband killed. He was the second son with a woman whose relationship started in an adulterous affair. David was hardly the perfect man, was he? Solomon did not grow up in the picture-perfect house. He didn't grow up in a home where there was no problems or no strife. While David was instructing Solomon, his half-brother raped his half-sister, and his half-brother Absalom murdered him. Problems and strife and struggles never left David's family. Not only was it not the picture-perfect family, but the consequences of David's sin had hit that family so hard that there was never peace from that point on. And his mom and the sin that David committed with Bathsheba began the source of all the problems. And so now David's got multiple wives. He's got half Solomon's got half-brothers, there's strife among them. There was, was all the boys would be thinking about well, who's going to be king and, and all that turmoil going on. Solomon could have had a lot to be bitter about, couldn't he? All the things that David did, all the things that David didn't do. But, but Solomon considered his dad with grace. He looked at what David did for him. And it wasn't, I look back on what my father gave me, and I think about all that money that I had, being the king's boy. I look at all the horses that he gave me, and all the, the trips that he took me on, and the fancy swords, and the armor that I, he gave me, and, and all these things. Now, what, what Solomon looked back on, he taught me. He taught me the word. 
He pointed me to God. And so when Solomon's writing here of his dad, it's not, listen to me because my dad did me wrong and I don't want you to end up like I did. But no, he, he looked at his dad with grace. And he looked at his dad and said, here's a man that loved me and loved me enough to tell me about Jesus. And so he looked at him with grace. Let's think about David for a second then. I used to have, I'll just be honest, I used to have problems reading about David. And not because I didn't believe it was true, but because I was looking at it from the wrong perspective. Because, you know, you're taught in Sunday school, David is a champion. Be like David. Be like David and go and, and have faith like David. And David took the rock and he killed Goliath and knocked him down. Be a David. Well, that's fine if in Sunday school for a while, whenever you learn about David killing Goliath and David slaying the Philistines and David writing the Psalms. But that's sort of a PG version of David that only tells a little part of the story. Because you read the real David, you know, that's a PG-13, maybe rated R kind of David. Because here's a man that killed a lot of people. Here's a man that had a lot of wrath. Here's a man that had a lot of problems morally with in his life. And so, if I went to the Bible with the mindset, well, i got to be like David, and you get, and, and David uh, has one wife, and he has another wife, and he has concubines, and he has this children with this woman, and children with that woman, and has a man put to death, and, and uh, uh, then Uriah, and, and you get to the point, and you say, well, David's, David's a sinner. It wasn't David's fault that I had a hard time. It was my fault because I was, I was not looking at him um, through the eyes of Christ. I was not looking at him as a, a sinner saved by grace, but I was looking at him as some kind of uh, solely a moral example, holding him to a standard that I didn't hold myself to. But I would think, how could David just not crawl in a hole and disappear? Michael asked that. His, his wife asked him that. When he was dancing before the Lord, that is shameful the way you're acting. Dancing before the Lord. Don't you, you ought to be hiding. You ought to go away shameful. How could David teach Solomon about the ways of God? How could, how could David come to Solomon and say, here, let me tell you about the way you ought to live. Let me tell you what God says that you ought to do. Didn't he go and say, well, he'll think I'm a hypocrite. I'm a hypocrite. I can't do that. No. No, he didn't do that. Why? Because of God's grace. Look in Psalm uh, 51. What happened after the affair, the adultery? What happened after Nathan called David out? Psalm 51, 1, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy transgressions, or multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is ever before thee. 
Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done evil in this sight, that thou mayest be justified when thou speakest and clear when thou judgest. Lord, you have judged me according to your law, and you're right. I'm a sinner. I am guilty. I have broken your law. Have mercy upon me. Cleanse me. Purge me with hyssop. I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a right spirit in me. Then in verse 13, Then will I teach transgressors in thy way, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. David knew that God was a God of great mercy. He knew the blood of Christ cleansed from all sin. He knew that in Christ, in God, he could have a clean heart. He could be forgiven. That all of his iniquities could be washed away. That the sin so bad as adultery with Bathsheba, and so bad as to having Uriah killed, was not too heinous a crime for God to forgive. And he believed that. And he knew that was true. David believed in the grace of God. David believed that he could be purged, that he could be cleansed, that he could be washed. David believed in the grace of God. See, it was scandalous for me because I was looking for a great man like David to be perfect. David, David, how can a man like David be one that we look, look to as a man of faith? Because it wasn't what David did, his works, that, that saved him. It was his faith in his Savior. David wasn't against the law. Um, he wrote, how many psalms did David write? about how he loved the law and how the law was blessed and how great the law was. Well, how can a man like David love a law that he had broken so often? Because there was no longer any condemnation for him. Now, yes, he had to live with the results of his sin the rest of his life, and his life was much harder than that could have been or should have been, I guess. But that's the same for me, and that's the same for you too. A lot of our hardship in life is just the consequences of sin. So David's, David's uh, salvation didn't take away the consequences of sin, but David's faith in his Savior washed him clean of the guilt and condemnation of that sin. When David prayed in Psalm 51, he believed God's promises. And he looked back on his life and said, Lord, your law has condemned me, and you're right to do so. I have failed. I have messed up. I have not done what I should have done. I did things that I shouldn't have done, and I haven't done the things that I have I should have done. And you know, the dad can look back and say, I wish I could just go back and, and do it over. But we know we can't do that, can we? And we can look at the law and say, I didn't live up to that standard. I, I, I failed. But what do we do? We do like David. And we go to the, the promises of God and the cleansing blood of Christ and to believe those passages that we are forgiven of our sins, we are washed clean of our failures, that in Christ we have been forgiven, in Christ we are 
we have a clean heart in Christ. We um, have peace with God. And there is no condemnation now for our sins. That we don't have to be under the heavy weight and burden of failures and sins if we are in Christ because Christ paid for those sins and he cleansed us of our unrighteousness. What about that first part of the message then? What about all those laws? Fathers, teach your children. What about all those things that, that the Bible tells us to do? Well, now... In Christ, we have a new relationship to those laws. And this is why David didn't just crawl in a hole somewhere and die out of shame. Because God had cleansed him. He had a right standing with God now because of the, because of the blood. He is now set free from the guilt of the sin of Bathsheba and Uriah. And now he was free to serve God. He was free from the condemnation of the law, now that he can use the law now to guide him in how to, to be a dad, and about how to be a husband, and how to love God. God's law was David's advisor. And he didn't go and crawl away in a hole somewhere and, and cover his head with shame. But he said, look, I believe the promises of God. I believe I'm forgiven. And now God has freed me that I can now obey this law. Not that I might earn God's favor, but that because God has freed me from the law's condemning power, that from this day forward, I will, I will go and I will, I will um, do what God has told me. Trusting in God and trusting in his grace and trusting in his forgiveness, knowing that there is no condemnation for me in, in, in my sin, because he's taken those away from me. That I, that I am free. I'm a new creature. I have a new heart. And I stand before God cleansed and forgiven. And now I can go and love my children and love my wife and, and, and do what God would have me do today. And that's how David could take Solomon and sit him down and say, listen, listen, son, I want to tell you about God. I want to tell you about the right way. I want to tell you about the right path. I want to tell you what will happen if you don't listen. And you can, li you can take it from me because I, I experienced it. Solomon, I want you to learn from my mistakes, learn from my sin, and you don't go down that path. Listen to wisdom. Because David was a saved man and a man of grace. And he believed the promises of God. And he believed the truth of being set, uh, delivered from the condemnation of sin through through Christ. God has set us free from the law's condemning power, and now we have a new relationship with it, not to condemn us, but to guide us. Remember the law from Psalm 34? Well, let's go back there, and I'll, I want to close with the last part of that song. Now, that was a lot of law, wasn't it? Remember how he said, Come here, children, I want to tell you, keep your tongue from evil, keep your lips from speaking guile, Depart evil, do good. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous. The face of the Lord is against them that do evil. Now if David would have stopped there, that would have been bad. Because we'd all be on the wrong side. So let's keep reading. The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth and delivereth them out of all their troubles. 
The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth him out of all of them. He keepeth all of his bones, and not one of them is broken. Evil shall slay the wicked, and they shall hate the righteous. It shall be desolate. The Lord redeemeth the soul of his servants, and none of them that trust in him shall be desolate. So he says, little children, you've sinned. You are guilty. But the Lord is nigh to them of a broken heart. The Lord will save those with a contrite spirit. David says, trust in the Lord. He will save the guilty from their sins. He will hear you when you cry out to him. Look to the Lord for grace. Look to the Lord for mercy. David, remember what he said in Psalm 51, that, that he would teach the sinners in the way? Well, this is, this is what David does. Over and over and over again in the scriptures, David doesn't go away, but he continues to worship and love the Lord because the Lord is gracious and merciful to him, and he doesn't go away, but he continues to press on, and people will say, well, you're a failure, David. You, you've broken the laws. He said, I have a great and merciful God. David didn't sin that grace might abound, but when David sinned, he did not uh, um, shy from giving glory to God for saving him. And so he tells the children here, look to the Lord who is merciful. You have not been perfect, and neither have I been perfect, but the Lord is perfect, and the Lord saves sinners. And look to him. And the interesting thing is in verse 20, it seems kind of an odd verse, doesn't it? He keepeth all of his bones and not one of them is broken. Well, what's that? What's that got to do with anything? That's a prophetic word of Jesus Christ. As Jesus hung on the cross, not one of his bones were broken. It's a a pointing to the Savior. The one who did keep his tongue from evil. The one who did speak no guile. The one who did depart from evil and only did good. the The only one who has ever sought peace perfectly and pursued it. The one whom the eyes of the Lord were upon and heard his cry. Ultimately, it points us back to Jesus, our Savior, our Redeemer, who hears the cries of the brokenhearted and saves those of the contrite spirit. There is grace for us. Not just dads, but children and moms and and everyone here this morning. There is grace for us. There is grace when we fail. There is grace for our past. There is grace for things that we've messed up and we can't ever fix. There is grace for us. Not based on our works, but based upon what Christ has done for us. We, if you are in Christ, you are forgiven of your sins. You, you have been washed clean. David also said in Psalm 27, 10, When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. We've messed up so bad that there's just no way of fixing it. David said, the Lord will take us. The Lord is in control. The Lord is sovereign. The Lord is gracious to us. And we serve a God who is so great that he can take even our failures and use them for his glory. He loves his people and has given us salvation in Christ. And he sets us free from the condemnation of the law so we can have peace with God 
that we can love our family and, and point them to the Savior. Well, dads, that, that's, all you, that's all we can do is point children to the perfect one, the one who did no harm, the one who did no fault. Point them to the, the perfect Father, the loving one, the Savior, Jesus Christ. Well, I pray this morning that you have nothing else have grace in this Father's Day. May the Lord add a blessing to his words.